You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Father, this morning, as we share from your word, we ask that by the Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. Let no one live here the same. Lord, you know where every single person here has come from. Lord, meet everyone at the point that they are. Let there be an anointing to make the teaching, the preaching, the hearing, and the doing of your word easy. Our Father, we thank you. God's people shared a big amen. A huge Amen. Amen. Let's tell Josh that we love him. We love him. Even though your, your pastor sometimes harasses you, but we love you. Um, by the way, it's been a slightly interesting week in our country. Uh, I had to log off social media yesterday so that I can preach. Because <laughs> there's anger everywhere. Um, and we would ask that as part of the body of Christ, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 26, it says, if one member suffers, feels pain, it says the whole body suffers. We'll ask that we pray that God will do what he wants to do, right? Uh, We'll stand for what is right. We'll stand for justice. We'll stand for restoration. We'll stand for healing at all times. Um, And and God will be glorified. God's preached a big amen. Amen. All right. Uh, I think that's that's fine. Right. Okay. Good. Uh, so this sermon I'm preaching today is for me. I'm happy to share it with you. I want to thank the people that came to church early today. I know one or two people. I just want to thank you specially. Uh, and it wasn't easy, but thank you. Okay. Um, this message is for me, uh, but I'm happy to share it with the church. It's a short message, relatively short. As prepared for this message, I read out of Acts chapter 17. The Bible says the church gathered. Paul started preaching. He preached till midnight. I was like, ah, you're harassing me in church. And the Bible says somebody fell down, died. Paul went, raised the man, and continued preaching till morning. I was like, ah, ah. So I said, you're not doing badly. But it's a relatively short message. And essentially, we've been discussing what success actually means. Last three weeks, I think, two and a half weeks. Oh, on, on Wednesday, I preached a good message. Even I know it was good. Mm-mm. No, when I came, I was like, yes. I said what God wanted me to say. Okay? I was talking about making the most of your opportunity. So it's on SoundCloud, so you can find it and listen to it. Um, and if you do not think it's a good message, then I can't help you. All right? But uh, two weeks ago, we said, look, guys, uh, success can, is defined by God. If you let anyone else define success for you, you would find that they are the ones you are worshiping. You would find that you are the one, they're the ones you are trying to please. Anyone who defines what success is for you controls your life, your resources, your use of time, controls your happiness. Right? So success must be defined by God. Uh, we said on, I think two Wednesdays ago, how that the joy of a whole generation is being mortgaged because they have taken wrong definitions of what success is. Luke 12, 15 says, a man's life is not in the multitude of his possessions. So success is really not about how much money you have or do not have. Money is good. That's the truth. God will bless you. Scripture says he delights in the prosperity of his servants. 
It says in 3 John chapter 2, it says, I, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your souls prosper. But money is not success. I've met people who do not have all the money or lots of money and are very deeply happy and are blessing people, raising great children, added value, pleasing God. And that is where success is. And I met people who have tons of money and cannot raise a family. So um, even popularity, how many followers you have on Instagram is not really success. Okay? I don't even know how many. I think I have about a thousand plus, give or take, followers on Instagram. <laughs> and I like them. <laughs> All right. No, let me just focus on them. But I like them. I block some people now and then just, just to feel happy. All right. But that's... <laughs> um, so what is your definition of success? And I was suggesting to the church from God's word that perhaps if you find out what pleases God, right, and walk towards that, perhaps you will become successful. In fact, I said to the church that perhaps for some of us that we are already in the midst of God's plan, but because we are looking at what someone else said about our lives, we do not know how that we're pleasing God already. So there are people who are already successful but are unhappy. That's a bit of a travesty, yeah? So Paul would say, find out what pleases the Lord. Scripture would say, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, loses his soul? So it's important that at this time in our life we're like figuring out what, what really works. So you don't get to age 50 or 60 and go, well, this is not worth it. Let me tell the person next to you. Tell them you're all right. You're all right. You're all right. Just tell them, follow God and you'll be all right. Yeah? Yep. Uh, today, I, I just want, it's a simple message. You've heard it before. Uh, and I, I'll start with this suggestion um, that perhaps God's presence and his person are the greatest gift and promise that we would receive as Christians. If you read Exodus um, chapter 33, Moses has a conversation with God about Israel. He says, uh, verse 9, Exodus 3, 33, verse 9, And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of God descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord spoke with Moses, or talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose... And worshipped each man in his tent door. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses said to Joshua, to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you said to me, I know you by name, and that you have also found grace in my sight. Now! Therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. Um, and consider that this nation is your people. Verse 14 is what I'm looking for. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. This is an interesting one because Moses is saying, 
I know you promised us, you know, you read Exodus 3, um, 8, he says, I'm going to bring you into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. So I know you promised us something. He says, but that promise in itself is not enough. I know God has promised you a job. He has promised you a whole company, a, a conglomerate. He's promised you influence. Follow me. He's promised you a beautiful wife that can sing. One. Tall. Is it tall you said? Sorry. So I'm just going to focus. Long legs. I'm just going to focus. Just relax, guys. But, but the promise in itself is not the end. He says, when he tells, when they have a discussion with Pharaoh, he says, let my people go. Why? He says, so that they can worship me. They can serve me. I know God has promised you a car. He's promised you peace. He's promised you healing. But do you recognize that those things are not the end? That the purpose of the promise is so that we can worship him. That the purpose of the promise is so that we can be with him. That he can essentially live in us. That he can express himself through us. Moses says, look, God, I know you want to take us into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. He says, but please, if you are not going with us, then let's scrap this project. Why does God want to give you a house? Why does he want to give you money? So when he speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, would you take the promise that I have given you and would you sacrifice it? He's pointing out to him, Abraham's our father of faith, he's pointing out to him the order because this is the promise. And Abraham wasn't, Abraham had waited a couple of years for that promise. And when Abraham takes the promise and uses it to worship God, something opens in the heaven. Something opens that's still affecting our generation. God says, through you, I would bless all the nations of the earth. No wonder the psalmist will say, you are my portion. Psalm 16 and verse 5, it says, oh Lord, you are my portion and my inheritance. It says, you maintain my lot the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. So I don't know. That's the start. So there is something about us. You know, when we started this whole discussion about maturity, I think eight, six weeks ago, we said there's somewhere God intends to bring you to as you walk with him. Ephesians chapter 4 describes it. It says where you've become like Jesus. It says where you are no longer children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Where men in cunning craftiness can no longer waylay you, can no longer pull you aside. That there's someone here, God is saying, look, I know the things you want. I know the things you expect. I know what I have promised you. In fact, I remember three weeks ago, we spoke about faith in God. Or four weeks ago. And how that, that faith in God is premised upon God's promises. So you must find God's promises. But today, we just want to say, look, that, that those promises are meant to bring you closer to God. Because there's somebody here, you're praying, God, give me a job. Ah, give me a job, give me a job, give me a job, 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 give me a job. God gave you a job. We've not seen you in church. Though. 
you came today <laughs> because you had a dream, a bad dream last night. <laughs> Help me tell the person next to you. Tell them his presence will go with you. His presence will go with you. His presence will go with you. And, and that, is, that is my message. Is that the time we spend in God's presence is precious, is powerful, is transformational. That the ability to be with God, in God, the Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. That is life changing. That the people who will cause change over a sustained period of time, the people who would succeed the way God wants them to succeed, will have to spend time in God's presence. Our generation, and I use that word, that phrase, generously. Uh, like I say, I think I'm in between two or three generations, yeah? Our generation is used to, as technology evolves, we're used to things becoming faster, quicker, and less, and more impersonal, actually. But not so when it comes to our dealing with God. As someone said, but Idris, I don't understand. My theology tells me that God lives in me. I carry the nature of God. And that is true. So we carry God's nature. And that allows us to enter his presence, Paul says, with boldness. He says to come before the throne of grace with boldness. Confidence. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the times of need. Uh, We have his life. We have his nature. And there's time spent in his presence. The word I could find when I was preparing my notes was that provokes it. That expresses it further. And I don't know who it is, but someone you need to spend time with God. Let me, let me elaborate. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. Paul says, we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a glass or in a mirror the glory of God, have been transformed. That's the word. Have been transformed into that same image from glory to glory. That's growth, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Psalm 84 and verse 7. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Speaking of God. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. It says, they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. It says, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. That the time we spend with God. The time we dedicate to God. Is precious and transformational. That is, so if you are in a hurry, you want to go somewhere, you can leave now. That's the message. I can, I'm going to elaborate, but that's the message. That's the message. One time, Moses, you read Genesis 34. Moses shows up before God. The Bible says he's there for a while. He's talking to God. I don't know what he was doing for 40 days. And night, so the Bible says, and so it was that Moses came down from Mount Sinai. I read from verse 29. 
and the two tablets of the testimonies were in Moses' hands. And then when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And so when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. So you're there, you're taking pictures. You want to post them on Instagram. Filter after filter. <laughs> so sometimes we see you on Instagram, we're like, ah, that's Nifemi bot. <laughs> that's not how really. That's, that's, Nifemi's bot is shining. There, it's filter. <laughs> you know that glow, ladies? That we're always talking about. Ah, talk about I love your glow. <laughs> That's where the real glow is. Moses shows up in God's presence. Spends time in God's presence. Comes out, he does not know something has changed about him. And tell the person next to you, tell him you're just shining, you're just shining, you're just shining. <laughs> that there is a transformation that is promised in the presence of God. Bible says, Acts 4, 13, they looked at Peter, I think it was John or James, and they were a bit, they were wondering, how, he said, these guys are, they didn't go to school. How this boy was born in, I'm not too sure who's, the boy was born in Benin, let me be safe today, all right. <laughs> he says, but why is he so handsome? Why is he so articulate? Why is he so blessed? Why is he so loving? The Bible says, oh my goodness, they realized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? And, and this I say, to, uh, I say to us, because, you know, I said, I said there are truths that generations before us as Christians knew they did not understand, but they held dear to their hearts. So we used to wonder, why are parents spending, why did they spend so much time in church? I became, so sometimes they would go to church in the morning. I think it was, who was saying this earlier on, last week? A joko, they would drop you, and you would get to church at 7. 12, the pastor is just starting. They're like, why? What's all this? You know, then they will wake, as is so, they spent maybe a third of Sunday in church. And then you now get home. You're just settling into your movie. They didn't ring a bell. Evening devotion. Why? I was fellow, my brother, God, God bless you. <laughs> Around five, you know, people start gathering. They'll call you the first time. Dick Ball. You pretend. <laughs> And you don't come out, the house fellowship, okay, so you pretend, ah, oh, okay, I'm here, I'm here. They will not ask you one question, you try, you know. Then that they go, then as they're going, they then call you. Evening, evening devotion. Like, why? Why are we doing this? I know story after story of people who, their parents, you know, who call them for money devotion. Then in the middle of morning devotion, while your mom is singing the chorus, she's giving you the eye. Ah, shala. <laughs> 
you know, then somebody is sleeping at night, she wipe it, bam, wake up. You know? And we're like, what is all, why, what is, this is just religion. We're a new generation, we understand grace, we carry God in our heart. We don't need all this, if I just, I just dash out of the house in the car, say, good morning, Lord, how are you? I text you later, I move on. God is here with me. And the challenge is that we lose truth and we lose the power in the truth. Because we are the generation who should be fasting. And I'll come to that one day. We are the generation who should be spending time in the presence of God. The Bible says, those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We used to sing a song when, as in the universe, as in, in your presence, I am content. Uh, how does it go now? In your presence, there is life, expressions of your love. People don't know it, right? No. Show-offs. <laughs> That's the choir, by the way. That's why they're singing like that. Expressions of your love. But most people don't know the song. It's an old song. Revelations of your power and might. And in your presence I can bring. A love song offering. I'm in the presence of. I hired that guy from <laughs> the one I shout. That's my personal shouter, because our environment affects us. It does. Some of you went to school for three years. You came back. Your parents can't understand you when you're speaking. Hey, Dad, I'm just going to go. Hey, inshallah. <laughs> Some of you went to Ghana one day. Some of you have a visa. You already have an accent. <laughs> huh? You have not traveled. You're already in it, in it. You're like, <laughs> Sometimes you, have you ever been in a car where they, you went to buy petrol? You come down, you, are, you have an anointing on you. People know you have been to the petrol station. Have you been where they are selling fish or frying fish? I know you buy lucky people who don't fry fish in lucky. No, just buy it in the restaurant in the paper bags. Jokers. <laughs> but when you have interacted with fish, there's no perfume you can spray with. <laughs> but have you spent time with God? Have you spent time with God? And this is, it's such a, for me, it's a prayer that we would, we would vex, that's the word, that we would be annoyed in our hearts. It says they looked upon him and they were radiant. Psalm 34, I think in verse 7. It says, and their faces refused to, refused to blush for shame. It says they go from strength to strength. Moses says, Lord, if your presence does not go with me, these promises are of no use. This promised land, all this stuff we're fighting for. And so, that we would spend time in worship. That we would spend time in worship. And we know that worship is more than just a song. But that we would acknowledge God, in, and music is powerful. 
Music is powerful. There are songs I listen to. In fact, and she said it in her God experience that she was a worship, you should have a worship playlist. Right? Some of you, the only playlist you have is the one when you're going on a date. You say, uh-huh. These are the songs, six songs. Look, look at me, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Where is your worship playlist? What are the songs? I, I love Igbo. You can judge me if you want. I love Igbo worship music. I like it. I like it. I don't understand what they're saying a lot, but I like it. That's how I was raised. Are you going to get your playlist? <laughs> that you would spend time in worshiping. When I was a bit younger, I used to get upset when people would come out of worship and say, ah, oh, the worship was so good. Because I was like, you know, very uh, spiritual Christian. I'm like, ha, how can you enjoy worship? It's not your worship. We're not worshiping you. How can you come out of worship and say the worship was good? Who are you? You are not, an, and this self-righteousness, and I'm growing. And the truth is that you're not the object of worship. But that it is hard for you to be in the presence of your father and come out sad. The Bible says, you will show me the path of life. Psalm 16 and verse 11, it says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So there are times you would come into God's presence in worship. Of course, there are the odd times when he would rebuke you. Nifemi, I told you. Don't buy that thing. You bought it. But the truth is that you are supposed to be able to come into God's presence. And as you spend time with him, receive healing, instruction, strength. The fullness of joy. Moses was radiant after spending time with God. Thanksgiving helps with worship. That when you start to thank God, Father, I thank you for, and I thank you, and you just don't know where you've started worshiping. For some of us, it's been a while where you personally worshiped God. How you wake up in the morning? And then you're going to work and what you're playing is shake your waist music. How? We can see you in traffic. We know you. We know. I mean, there's time for Bonner Boy. There is. If we go to marriage, we can't be playing worship music. You have to dance. I saw you dancing on a Friday night. It was late. Around one. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> There's time for that. But when you wake up in the morning, would you respect the... Who makes you? Would you respect the one who creates you? Do you understand your source? I'll speak about the power of corporate Christian gatherings. That when we meet as a church... There are expressions of God's power, expressions of God's presence that are transformational. And so we must never take it for granted. In Matthew chapter 18, he says, For where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am 
In Hebrews 10, Paul will say, do not forsake the gathering of believers. And when we gather like this, it is not just because it is Sunday, guys. It's a gathering of the saints. That our times and even the places of worship are meant to be sacred, yet accessible by humans. Are meant to be liberated and liberal. Because the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But yet to be reverent. Because some of us grew up in churches where if you came at a time in the service, they said, stand, wait. And you're like, what are they doing? What are they doing? When I grow up, I'll go to life point. In life point, we can just bounce in anytime. Because the fact that we can wear jeans to church doesn't mean we come casually. The fact that we laugh in the service doesn't mean we are unaware of God's presence. The fact that we dance doesn't mean that we are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That when we gather as a church, that the power of a corporate anointing and agreement is here. That there is the stirring of faith. There is the restoration of belief. That is a place of authority. Is where two or more of you are gathered in my name. When Paul would write about the church, you would hear him say, and when the church gathers, when the church gathers, God's presence is here. God's presence is here. And so when you say go for a prayer meeting, go to church, attend the service, you should understand that there is something transformational about it. The psalmist says, I, Psalm 122, it says, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because time spent with God is invested, guys. That we must refuse to reduce our experience of God to the narrowness of our personalities or to the pain of our past experiences. That the effectiveness of your local assembly has nothing to do with whether it is large or small. I may I speak to someone, you might be here, who is pulling away from what they call the local assembly because they say, no, I want like very small. I'm like, guys, it has nothing to do with whether it is small or whether it is big. It's about whether God's presence is there. That there are things that we are meant to experience together. Scripture would say that we are members of the body. You are not the body of Christ by yourself. And so when we gather, <laughs> I like how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians, I think it's in uh, chapter, two, chapter 14. It says one person will bring a hymn. One person has a psalm. One person has a teaching. That the gathering of God's people in his presence is a powerful thing. Is a transformational thing. That as long as things are done decently and in order, you should come to church and be on fire. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so the way in my mind it works is almost like people come to church on whatever day the church gathers. 
gets all fired up in the presence of God and then they go into their personal lives and then spend time with God. And so we'll talk about things called a quiet time. Now, I don't believe Nigerians know, have a quiet time because when we say we have a quiet time, even our neighbors know we're praying. But that, that's fine. But where, when do you spend time with God? When do you spend time with God? Church, I have never had a bigger need in my life to pray than now and in this season. Never, ever, ever. I've never felt more of the need to spend time in God's presence than now. Not God's presence in a religious sense, in the sense that is described to you by someone. It is you determining that I would reverence God, I would spend time with God. It's you saying, I will switch off. It's heartfelt and fervent expression. Jesus says, when you pray, you will enter into somewhere he calls your secret place. Ephesians 6.18 says that we'll pray with all prayer and supplication. And don't let people tell you how you should. They say, I heard some people say, oh, when you pray to God, that you should be quiet. You don't need to shout. And I tell them, maybe that's for people in America. People in Nigeria should shout. The Bible says about Jesus, Hebrews 5, 7, that when he was on earth, he prayed with crying and tears. Maybe he was talk, thinking about Lagos at that time. Just, but you shouldn't let anybody describe how you relate with your father. And if, you, if it's quiet all the time. I remember, I think it was in 97 or 98. Um, it was a fairly tough time in my life. I was about to leave the university. I wasn't sure what things were going to happen. And I remembered I would go over and over and over again to, we used to call it a sports complex at the University of Benin. If you went to, uh, I mean, back in the day, uh, things have changed a bit. Most universities would have a place where Christians went to pray. Your university didn't have that. You guys had in your school. You didn't have in your school. You went abroad. You guys definitely didn't have that. But soon, you know, you're not sure. You're not born again. Okay, it's fine. I understand. Everybody comes. We come. To... But we would have, no, no, it's okay. We'll come to the faith at different times. We had. You went to Covenant, so the whole school was a prayer ground. I see. It's fine. It's all right. I, I hear you. You should have said that earlier. All right. But sports complex. Eh? So when the guy says to you, I am going to sports complex, he's not going to play basketball. And let me tell you how it was. In your school, in Uniben, even the people who went to pray had particular places in sports complex. So I was a long tennis. Ha, it's all coming together. Because I used to pray in the London East Court. Now I play London East. It's just coming together. It's a spiritual. I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. No, 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 no. It's all right. That's, no, but I'm just teasing. I only play in London East then. But honestly, so they, were, they had the basketball court people. You had the people that used to go into the forest. Those were the ones that had deep problems. They just went. <laughs> Look, I, I never could understand why they needed to go that far. Some were more, you know, where we would meet in the open field. But it was dedicated to prayer. Where do you go and pray, guys? Lagos is a busy city, so you must have your quiet places. You must have places where you spend time in the presence of God. They said they were looking to, for how to bring Daniel down. How did they do it? They realized that he had a habit of prayer. 
a habit of spending time in God's presence. You can never, as a Christian, be more mature or so mature that you don't need to spend time in God's presence anymore. Let me ask the person next to you. Tell them, when do you spend time with God? When do you spend time with God? Let me tell them, you're always online. When do you spend time with God? <laughs> Let me land this. This is the picture I have in my heart. Is that as God prepares us for the things, different assignments, he's saying, guys, would you remember that this is about me? I've said this over and over and over again. That there's someone who God is calling to be a CEO. And he's saying, would you develop the prayer life of a CEO now? Someone, it's in your heart and your destiny to become a governor of a state in Nigeria. Would you develop a, the prayer life of a governor now? When a governor wakes up or the president wakes up, you think, it's, you think his time is his? No. As he's waking up, they tell him where he's going who, and they tell him what's been happening in Lagos. They tell him it's the, the barrage of him. So he needs to have prepared his life before he gets there. Otherwise, you would find yourself being shaped by the people you are around. Someone says, I want to be a celebrity. Oh, I want to be a celebrity. Everywhere they go, they're shouting, follow me, follow me, follow me. Would you develop the prayer life of a celebrity now? Now that you can still walk around Lagos and, you know, some people know you. The prayer life of a mother. The prayer life of a father. This raising children, something is an experience on its own. No? And you are some of you, we are children, so we know. Right now, my son is in some camp somewhere in America. It's only prayer. Just praying. I can't go there. They say I'm not seeing him for four weeks. Okay, I have to be praying. But would we spend time in the presence of God? There, there are some issues in our lives that cannot be healed by the hand of man. It's not a man who speaks to you. There's not, there are some things you have to hear from God by yourself. In Genesis 28, verse 11, Jacob wakes up. He has an encounter with God. The Bible says, Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. The 16 says, And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to constantly remind you of God's presence? Would you find pockets of time to pray? Would you put reminder in reminders around you of God and his word? Would you meditate on God's word day and night? Would you consciously practice the presence of God? Would you, as you drive to work, someone, make that time holy and sacred? 
For someone, it's your time as you commute in the bus. Would you put earphones in your ears? Listen to God's word. Pray under your breath so people are not staring at you like a crazy person. Would you take out one hour every day? 30 minutes, maybe 15 minutes in the morning. But that church is my charge this morning that we cannot run this Christian race without spending time in God's presence. And you know where you are with God. How much would you pay for an hour with Bill Gates? One hour. And how much would you pay for one hour with Aliko Dangote, my friend? Confess what you want. How long will you spend or pay for an hour with God? Interestingly, the payment for time with God was made on the cross. My pastor was preaching last week and I heard it was like, you know, sometimes we do everything but go to the one who can help us. Spirit. Let's pray out of Psalm 42. He says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after you. I don't know who you are, but it's been a long time since you spent time in God's presence. I don't know who you are, but you need to go and get planted in a local church. Bible believing, praying, local church. I don't know who you are, but you need to stand in God's presence. And let him speak to you. There are limits to what your pastor can say and do. I don't know who you are, but God has been waiting. He's been waiting over your life. I don't know who you are, but perhaps you are like Adam and Eve. You've been running away from God's presence because of something you said, something you did. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus' blood gives us access. He says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after you. That my soul tests for God, for the living God. He says, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember those things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With a voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept a pilgrim fist. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? He says, hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. For the help of his countenance. I don't know who it is who needs to spend time with God. I'll ask us to take one song of worship in it. One very simple prayer, and then we'll continue with the service. Our Father, we thank you.
Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.